Well, listen, I always love drinking Irish whiskey in the heart of bourbon country. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, all you cool cats and kittens out there. It's episode 247 of Bourbon Pursuit. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny, and I hope you're hanging in there because I'm trying to hang in there. We're all watching Tiger King together to try to get through this. But in the midst of all that's going on, not much has been happening with actual bourbon. And the industry has kind of been shifting focus to figure out how it can help the situation. So we've got some more updates there for you on that. And as you know, by now, with our reports last week that many facilities have turned over production to begin making hand sanitizer. Last week we reported that Discus, or better known as the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, was working with the federal government on including distilleries into the COVID-19 relief plan. And they were successful. As a part of the economic relief package, Congress has eased tax regulations so that distillers producing desperately needed hand sanitizer to address the nationwide shortfall would not have to pay a federal excise tax on the alcohol used. This package also includes measures to help small business loans and small business operating costs that many smaller distilleries on the nation are going to need while their doors are closed for visitors. And if you're in the medical field and you're looking for sanitization supplies, or need some for your local community, Discus has created a portal that lists every distillery in the U.S. making hand sanitizer. The portal also lists distillers who need supplies and those who need help distributing. You can get this with the link in our show notes. We've also been seeing more control states getting tighter. Alabama has closed down several locations, but Pennsylvania still remains the only state that has all 600 of its brick-and-mortar stores currently closed. This has led to other opportunities for distilleries in Pennsylvania to begin shipping directly to Pennsylvania residents, as well as doing curbside pickup, while Discus has also been urging the government officials to reopen their doors immediately. Some Pennsylvania residents are even going to extreme measures of driving to places like Delaware, New Jersey, and New York to stock up. And the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board is now discussing the possibility of reopening online ordering during this time. And two weeks ago, we reported on Kentucky House Bill 415 and what that could mean for interstate commerce. A version of the bill has passed that allows distilleries to ship bourbon and other spirits directly to consumers. Now, here's what it means for shipments coming into the state of Kentucky. So out-of-state distilleries and retailers can purchase a shipping permit for shipping distilled spirits, wine, and malted beverages into the state of Kentucky. Shipment details need to be submitted to the Department of Revenue every month or a 15% tax on the gross receipt must be paid. And now here's what it means for shipments going out of state. In-state holders of these permits that allow the sale of alcohol by the package will be able to ship to consumers outside of reciprocal states, but also following state and local laws of that particular consumer. Now, it's important to note that this bill would only affect shipping of bourbon and other spirits from the top of Kentucky's three-tier system. And that means it's the producer leaving out the distributors and the retailers, now giving consumers the option to purchase direct from the distillery. This is only available so far in Kentucky, but serves as a benchmark and a template that other states could soon follow. So it's a huge win for consumers out there. House Bill 415 will head to the full Kentucky House for a vote relatively soon. As this pandemic continues, we've seen an explosion in e-commerce. Many platforms like Drizzly and Thirsty are going to beat their annual projections by five or six X. 
it's finally a revolution into the digital age for spirits because it's an industry that's been lacking for far too long. And next week's podcast is featuring Corey Rellis, the CEO of Drizzly. So make sure you tune in and don't miss that. And as a small plug, we've got less than 100 bottles left from three different barrels of Pursuit series that are left on sealbox.com. We know it sucks being stuck at home, but hopefully you can enjoy it just a little bit more with some hand-selected barrels from the Bourbon Pursuit team. Are you really bored at home? Like, so bored that you would even have a conversation with Alexa? Well, the team over at GoBourbon.com decided to put it to the test, and they asked Alexa, what's your favorite bourbon? And she replied, definitely bullet. They even quizzed Alexa on bourbon by asking, what's the difference between bourbon and scotch? So if you're looking to sit there and put Alexa to the test, go on, give it a try, see what you can come up with. We started off the year in 2020 talking about scotch, and now we're talking about Irish whiskey. Who would have thought? But we had the opportunity to sit down and capture one of the most interesting stories in Irish whiskey. Alex Cunningham is one of the founders of Slain Irish Whiskey. We talk about way more than just whiskey though. First, we talk about castles and rock concerts because that's one big aspect of his history. Then we get into the dynamics of Irish whiskey and if there's some commonalities between it and bourbon, such as sourcing and regulation, and how do you go about financing a distillery in, say, uh, Ireland? Then we discuss the role of Brown Foreman and what they are doing and trying to make bourbon and Irish whiskey consumers happy at the end of the day. If you're a part of the Bourbon Pursuit Patreon community, make sure you're joining John and the other folks over at the Discord server where there's a virtual happy hour happening almost every single day in Zoom. And I think by now, many of us are becoming experts in Zoom, so come in and join the fun. All right, let's get on with the show. Here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. As we're all isolated and supposed to stay six feet away from one another, one very odd and very good consequence has came up from this for me personally, and that is my TV bourbon is going dry. If you've listened to this podcast before, you would have heard me complain at one point or another about my TV bourbon and how that's the one vice that I have when it comes to sipping a little too much. That's right, my TV bourbon as I'm watching The Vikings or Justified or Better Call Saul or reruns of Breaking Bad or The Wire, I find myself having one bourbon, two bourbons. Oh boy, let me have a third. And hey, after that, let's go ahead and have a nightcap of a fourth. It's happened. Met sometimes twice in a week. And you know what? That whiskey goes straight to my hips and my belly. And I tell you what, it's the one thing that I cannot shake when I'm in the gym. But for whatever reason, I just don't want to sit on the couch and watch TV as we're isolated. You know what I'm doing? I'm cleaning stuff. I'm organizing things. I'm doing all the things that I was supposed to do, you know, when I first got married. And I just kept putting them off and putting them off and putting them off. This past week, I taught my son how to use a drill and we fixed the fence and fixed the door and I cleaned the garage. And I'm like, holy cow, who's this guy? Where has he been the last 15 years? This isolation business has made me productive, more clean, and I'm actually on a really good schedule with my tastings. The one thing that I have given up, it seems, is my TV bourbon. I learned long ago to look on the bright side. 
So I hope you're able to find some comfort and find some things right now that helps you get through this time of isolation. And hey, maybe it's a bourbon. Maybe it's two. But I do recommend not doing it while you're watching TV because that could lead to four or five. And that's this week's Above the Char. Hey, you heard me mention all this stuff that I'm doing with my tastings. I'm doing nightly live tastings every day at 9 o'clock on my YouTube. I'm doing a face-off of something in my office. Never know what that's going to be, so make sure you go to my YouTube and click that subscribe button and notifications so you can check it out. Until next week, cheers! And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 000 Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back to the episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. But you know, we might be branching out every once in a while and trying new things. And in today's episode, we are, again, branching out from bourbon, trying something different. Uh, because, you know, we get we get kind of stuck in our hole in Kentucky and we think that, you know, bourbon is the all be all. And there's this whole other world of whiskey out there. You know, you've got scotch. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally kidding. <laughs> I mean, we we forget that bourbon is just such a small segment of the whiskey category in itself. You know, you've got scotch and today we're going to be looking at Irish whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've I've been to Ireland, I've been to Dublin, I've 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 had a few of them over there and I've I've enjoyed them. Uh really, you know, the powers of the world and stuff like that and I'm excited about our guests being able to, to 
uh, try something that's new, uh, that's, you know, that they're building and everything out of there too. Yeah. And I'm ready to start this, uh, Irish whiskey pursuit podcast, you know, well, uh, we should, we should license it is what we need to do. I know <laughs> everything pursuit, but uh, no, I, you know, we talked about scotch and rums and Irish whiskey is one of the few things I have had. And like, I kind of really enjoyed cause it kind of reminds me of a lot of similarities in bourbon, not so much, but it's just, it's more approachable, I guess, from a bourbon standpoint to make the transition to it. So, but the thing is, I know nothing about it Meaning, as usual. Other than it comes from Ireland. That's <laughs> it, about yeah, as much it comes as from that. Ireland and <laughs> it's Irish. And yeah, so I'm excited to meet our guest. And this is a beautiful looking product and excited to hear what is Irish whiskey and about this product and let's taste it. Yeah, absolutely. So today on the show, we have Alex Cunningham. Alex is the co-founder of Slain Irish Whiskey. So Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Now, we had talked about this before because I thought I was going to butcher your name uh, incredibly bad because it is spelled, uh, this is Cunningham, by the way. And you know where we come from around here? It's like C-U-N-N-I-G-H-A-M. Uh, his is C-O-N-Y-N-G-H-A-M. So I thought it was going to be something Yeah, Kenny's crazy. like, how, how can I say this? Like, <laughs> and he, He's like, uh, it's Cunningham. And I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> well, we just like to confuse people. Yeah. <laughs> but you had mentioned that it had been somebody eons ago that just change the yeah, name. Yeah, we put the Y in there and actually the Y ties in with our with our family crest, I guess. So that goes all the way back to the 1100s and uh, it's See, on it's on the bottle of Slane. So. That was before the C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M. So uh -huh. I think that's probably- we're, we're the posers. I think that's probably when everybody came over and they had to change their names. It probably had something to do with that. I yep. mean, I, my family history had that same exact thing happen to them as well. So, but anyway, I kind of want to talk and let's start a little bit from the beginning, um, talk about you, you know, talk about where you kind of grew up, um, assuming it's Ireland, because you, you know, you're definitely not from like East Texas is what it sounds like, <laughs> but, you know, kind of talk about where you grew up and, and kind of how you got into whiskey. Sure. Uh, Slane is uh, the place, that's where I call home, and we named the whiskey after that. It's a stunning little village about 45 minutes north of Dublin in an area called the Boyne Valley. And believe it or not, Irish whiskey was bigger than Scotch uh, back in the 1800s. And there were a lot of distilleries in the Boyne Valley because we are on limestone bedrock there. So we've got great water. Oh, same as here. Yeah, exactly. There's a reason those Scotch and Irish like coming to Kentucky because they were after that water for making whiskey. Ah, it's familiar to them. Yeah, yeah good, good horses. <laughs> like too, we found the motherland, know. but it's hotter than hell here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think he's patting our egos a little bit, yeah. but it's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, the water quality is really important. Uh, that's why a lot of the distilleries were there. And also, we got some of the best farmland in the country. And so I farm as well. My family's been farming in Slane for generations, and we grow barley. And we were growing that historically to give it to uh, cattle for feed, but we love our Irish whiskey. So we said, why the hell are we giving it to the cattle when it'd be a lot more fun to turn it into whiskey? Mm -hmm. so that's do what they, we set out to do. Do y'all crop rotate? Yes, our, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, really important. It didn't actually used to happen too much, uh, but monoculture and continuous is not uh, continuous crop sure. cultivation ain't good for the ground. So what we do now is we introduce rotation crops. Uh, we plant hedgerows every year to, to boost the biodiversity. So after a crop of barley, you might put in beans. It'll put the nitrogen back in yeah. the soil. Get the legumes, put nitrogen back in the soil. Yeah, there you oh, go. Oh, so you're talking right in my alley. Over yeah. my and he's like, uh, let's talk coding. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big part of it, right? You've got 
good whiskey comes from good ingredients. Sure. And we take that very seriously. But we're the only Irish distillery that would be surrounded by its own land bank. So we've got 1,500 acres surrounding the distillery. Wow. I grow about 2,000 tons of barley a year, and you can make a lot of whiskey from that. So that was one of the reasons we got into the business in the first place. Um, my Irish whiskey journey, I guess, started, I was a brand ambassador back in 1999, uh, working on the leading Irish whiskey in the category. Uh, so that was where my journey started. Uh, but it wasn't until around. Is it, is it Jameson by any chance? It was. Okay. Yeah. Just a guess. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and that, that brand has opened up the category for Irish. Uh, and now I think people are looking for a little bit more choice. But um, we started our own journey with the whiskey at Slane really back in around 2009. So Slane at that time, uh, the family home is called Slane Castle. So that's where I grew up, big old rambling uh, place, pretty cold, but wonderful. Hide and seek was good. Uh, <laughs> and this is this is like real castles, not like Walt Disney kind of castles. Like oh, yeah, it's no, a that, real, yeah. It's a real castle. Or kitty castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, th this is a real one. Um, but it was a big responsibility to keep a place like that going. So we have survived by diversifying. And uh, back in the early 80s, my dad, Henry, who I started this brand with, uh, decided he was going to turn the front garden into a rock music venue. And uh, so we started doing rock concerts in 81 with... Uh, you two were the opening act that first show. Oh, Lizzie wow. Wow. Yeah, so that was good. Just out and, the gate, you two? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, they were just starting out. Everybody's well, got sure, to start yeah. somewhere. Um, and then since then, we've had everyone from the Stones, Bowie, Springsteen. And on three weeks' time, uh, we're going to be having Metallica arriving. And so, man, we just went to Metallica. Yeah. Did he? It good was intense. It's awesome. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, He's well, had the chance to meet all those people, but now he gets the opportunity know, to meet us. Like that's, that's real This is the next the level, real, right? This is the yeah, real yeah, high yeah. life. Yeah. We're the A++. Plus plus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, so that's going to be a good show, and we'll be selling uh, Slane to that crowd. So we're going to have a bit of fun. So we came out of rock and roll and capitalized on the awareness of Slane by... Uh, adding value to the barley we grow ourselves and turning it into whiskey, which is something that we love drinking. Um, but learning how to make it was a whole different journey. Kind of sure. wanna, I kind of hit on this rock and roll part a little bit more. So kind of talk about like, why, why did the idea of saying like, oh, let's just turn the front garden into a concert venue. Like, like a field of dreams. We'll build it and they will come, you know. Well, slightly. So Ireland was a pretty tough place in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, mm -hmm. We had some difficult times in the country and dad loved his rock and roll. And he had to find ways to bring extra income in in that uh, climate. And he just said, let's give a chance for everyone to forget about the troubles for a day and come together through music. And a promoter approached him from Belfast and uh, they didn't have any money uh, to put the gig on. So a guy from the East London, London who became known as Mr. Everything, because everything's going to be all right, Henry. <laughs> uh, he put up the money and they, they managed to put that first gig on and then... You know, we're now Ireland's leading outdoor music band. How many people are we talking? Like About 80,000. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's a big garden. So that's uh -huh. like oaks or... I forget, know. I forget it's like a castle. Like, I, <laughs> I got to keep that in my head here. Like, it's pretty massive. Not, yeah. Not for a castle. But <laughs> yeah, but a, an, yeah, an actual castle. Yeah, yeah, so lots of people have made that journey to Slane, and now now they get the chance to try the whiskey whilst they're, all, uh, whilst they're there as well. So we're going to be smashing out uh, some Slane cocktails on the day for, for Metallica, so it should be good fun. You got a you got a particular cocktail you go to because around here it's it's old fashions and Manhattan's you know that's that's kind of the the go tos and you can mix it with a rye or bourbon but kind of talk about like a an Irish type of cocktail that you use with an Irish whiskey yeah well funny there's there's a good amount of uh, American influence in Slane and actually makes a surprisingly good old fashioned hmm. okay. and I know that's uh, maybe a little controversial as we're here in the hey. heart of Bourbon nah, country that's okay. 
but uh, we got our really, blinders off. <laughs> yeah, some really nice heavy brown sugar notes in the liquid, and I think that works very well for an old fashioned. Uh, in fact, the best one of the better ones I've tasted had no sugar syrup in it at all. Mm -hmm. No, it's that's the way to do it. I mean, you need no no flavor additives or anything mm -hmm. like that. Uh, do you muddle the cherries, or do you kind of? Uh, I like a, I love a bit of muddling, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm a no muddler. No muddler for you. Yeah, but you got you got to do the uh, Luxardos. Those yes. are like oh my god, they are delicious. Yeah. If there's if there's no Luxardos, I'm like send it back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So geographically, where where is Slane? So you're talking in between Dublin and Belfast on the east coast. We're a few miles inland, uh, as I said, in the Boyne Valley. So if you're heading straight out from out from Dublin, about 45 minute journey. Mm -hmm. uh, and we literally have the River Boyne, which is our water supply for the distillery, flows right through the farm. Okay. okay. Well, with the rock, who's the, you met some cool people. I know obviously us, but who who, who are some <laughs> of the most memorable or do you have any stories like of festivals like that, you know, come to mind? Yeah, well, when it uh, when it comes to what happens with artists, what ha <laughs> what what happens in Slane stays in yeah. Slane. It's like Vegas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, I, be, I have been lucky enough to, to, to meet some and and uh, uh, Dave Grohl springs to mind when the Foo Fighters played. He was an absolute gentleman. He's coming here. He performed in the pouring rain and did an outstandingly good gig. Uh, total gentleman. Um, so, yeah, I think they love coming to Slane because it's a very special place. There's a benefit of the Irish crowd, but you've got the backdrop of the castle and uh, and the river. And then now, of course, the whiskey. <laughs> Added sure. bonus. Mm -hmm. So talk about Irish whiskey. What makes... Obviously, being from Ireland, but what what goes into an Irish whiskey that makes it you know unique? So I think um, Irish as a category is seeing some really strong growth uh, in this country, and actually it's doing doing pretty well in Kentucky for us. Um, I think it's a very approachable category. Uh, so in terms of the definitions, uh, we got a pretty extensive uh, technical file that governs the rules of making Irish whiskey, and I won't go into too much detail, but. Um, what's different about Slane, I suppose, the distillery is we actually make three different types of whiskey at the one distillery. So across the water in Scotland, you typically have a malt distillery or you have a grain distillery. Uh, Slane's actually got pots and columns. So we got three pot stills because we believe in triple distillation. Uh, and then we got six column stills uh, because we're a protected heritage site. So we couldn't build two tall columns, which would be what you normally do. We had a split the two and three, hence six columns. That allows us to make three different types of Irish whiskey. So you've got grain whiskey, which is a little similar to, I guess, American, as in it's column distilled. Uh, it can be a mash bill, a malt, and other cereals. Then we make triple cereals. That's, mm -hmm. that's one we don't yeah. hear too often. You yeah. know, most people are talking about different grains. You don't really yeah. cereals too often. Yeah. Is that, is that yeah. an Irish thing or just, I a, guess is, so. that, is that an Alex thing? Uh, no, that's probably maybe a bit of an Alex thing. I am, <laughs> I am a farmer, so I guess we grow different cereals on, on the farm. Uh, primarily barley though. Uh, but the pot stills that we have, we make two different types of whiskey out of that. We do a triple distill malt whiskey, which is from 100% malted barley. So that's kind of similar to scotch. Um, but then we do something called pot still, which is only made in Ireland. And you take a malted and unmalted barley in the mash bill and you run it through the pot stills. And that leads to some really big, charactered, kind of quite oily, delicious whiskies that develop dried fruit notes to get older. And we are making that at Slane now, but it's going to take a bit of time uh, for those to be ready. So that's a few years away. What we're focusing on now is our Slane blend. Um, and I think 
you asked what makes Irish whiskey. Um, not all Irish whiskey is triple distilled, but a lot of it is, and, and we believe in that too. And that delivers a really lovely, smooth, accessible character. But what we've done on top of that is we've developed a triple cast maturation. So that adds character. So triple distilled for smoothest, triple cast for character. What do you mean by triple cast? So like, is it entering uh, sure three it different? Says, sure, it says it right here on the label. Let me see. So we've got... Uh... I see virgin, oh, virgin, seasoned, and sherry. Uh-huh. Okay, so it is right there on the label. Yeah, so three very different animals. So does it go through each cask in, separately, or is it like a blend of these three different casks? No, so um, it's a little bit like when you're mixing your music. Uh, we like to do them separately so that you get a lot more control, because then when it comes to the blending of the three, you can actually fully dial into the impact of the one barrel. So this is not a sequential. We're not taking the same batch and running it through all gotcha. three. So effectively what we, what we did is, so the distillery went into production about a year and a half ago, so fairly recently now. Anyone who knows anything about whiskey is you don't make whiskey that quick. So to get ourselves started, we actually bought molten grain whiskey from other distilleries in Ireland uh, between three and about 10 years. And it was good juice, uh, but we wanted to try and create our own flavor profile. So we actually took that liquid, we blended it in different proportions and split it between three different barrels for roughly two more years. And that secondary maturation, uh, our own distillates will feed through the same barreling program, but it's those three different barrels that give you uh, the unique kind of rich, robust character of slang. So is that pretty, is that common in Ireland, like the sourcing to start out? Because it's pretty common here. Right? Yeah. So we're up to, uh, we're up to about eight, uh, I think, close to 20 distilleries okay. having come from a base of only three. Uh, so this has all happened in the last five years or so. So Irish sure. whiskey, just like is happening here, a lot of distilleries are springing up. And yeah, to get themselves started, they are they are sourcing from others. And we did that too. And we're, we're perfectly honest about that. I guess the difference is we didn't just buy what we bought and create a blend and put it out to market. We actually spent two years doing our own maturation at Slane to try and build our own flavor profile. Is it so like here when we you source with I don't we source our own? Do you have to go like through brokers and like or can you just go straight to the distillery? What's the process like over there to buy the whiskey? Yeah, to buy the whiskey. Yeah, I mean, um, at at one time Irish whiskey because of the growth that was going on, it was pretty hard to get supply. Uh, but we were lucky enough that we did get some good juice, and some of it was quite old as well, which wasn't wasn't easy, and we pay, paid a pretty penny for it, but. <laughs> Again, we wanted to deliver, when Slane launched, we wanted the best possible liquid. And that's why we bought good whiskey to start with and did spend that extra two years staying out of the market to, to add that triple cast character. So it came at a cost, but I think it was worth it. For sure. And this was 2009 timeframe is when this started? No, that's, kind of started, that's more recent. So the 2009, um, we originally, myself and dad, um, we played in the whiskey sector under a slightly different brand attached to, to, to Slane initially. Uh, so we worked with um, other distilleries at that time. And then there was big changes in the industry in about 2012. Big acquisitions happened and we actually lost our supply at that stage. And then we did what I had always wanted to do, which was to build our own distillery. Because ultimately the only way to have full control and credibility, I think, is to build your own distillery. And, and it was a, a bit of a crazy journey to get there, but but we did. Mm -hmm. So. When you're, you approach your dad, you're like, we're going to start a whiskey company or whatever, you know, what was his initial reaction? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, um, if you grow up in a place like Slane, 
Uh, Dad always taught me, you know, you are you are never going to own this place. You're just protecting it for the next generation. So like that, that 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 long term vision, uh, you need that in the whiskey business. Uh, so nothing happens in a day. So people thought we were a bit crazy. It was actually Dad's idea to start it. And Dad is a maverick. I mean, he was the guy who opened the front garden and invited Thin Lizzy to come <laughs> right. stomp around. So Oops, he, Lizzie, he wasn't... That, Thin Lizzy's not a good band, huh? Yeah, well, one of that great tracks, Whiskey in the Jar, you know, which Dad used to love playing in the nightclub, which we also have had in the castle back in the day. Uh, so... Whiskey we was need always. Go, we need to go to this yeah. castle. <laughs> whiskey was always at the We gotta get out local. Can we fly back with you? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I got a big suitcase. <laughs> but uh, no, Dad. Uh, it was Dad's idea to start the whiskey because he uh, he put Slain on the map through the gigs, and we wanted to find a way to, I guess, capitalize on that. Plus, you know, he and I love drinking whiskey, uh, and we were already growing the raw materials. So the the kind of the stars aligned, and to see these buildings which are right next to the castle they're the old 18th century stables and ultimately they were linked to the farm so they had grain stores for example they now how they are now home to the distillery so we're kind of it's history repeating if you like uh we're adding the value on site creating local employment and making some great whiskey so like when you're when you're starting a whiskey company over there like are you like because i'm assuming you didn't know how to make whiskey before i didn't (laughs) okay so is there like consultants and experts kind of like here you know they're you know the late day pick roll a lot of people use to kind of you know help get them started get their yeah. recipes figured out how did you all go about that so i would have to say the irish whiskey industry is very collaborative and i got a lot of good support from other people in the industry i asked a hell of a lot of people a lot of questions and i kind of learned as i as i went along um i learned a little bit of, i guess from my ambassadors a little bit about selling whiskey but i didn't know much about making it now, I don't profess to be a master distiller or a master blender, but if we were going to build a distillery, I needed to know what we were doing and where we were putting our money. Uh, so I visited distilleries in Ireland, Scotland, over here in America, probably annoyed a lot of people with a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. But we built up um, what I would call a old-school distillery in terms of how we make the whiskey. So we got wooden washbacks, we got uh, hand-beaten copper pot stills, three of them. But when it comes to how we kind of make it, there's a lot of state-of-the-art stuff there as well. So sustainability is something that's really important to me. And so we have a lot of energy recovery built in. Uh, So whenever we're heating something up, we're cooling something down. And we've even invested in uh, an anaerobic digester on site, which will take those, um, what some people call waste after distillation. We'll be feeding that to microorganisms. They create biogas, and mm-hmm. then we burn the biogas to heat the stills. So that's going to reduce our carbon footprint by about 25 to 30%. So wow. everything with Slain is built to last. And I hope that with Slain, you know, it's not just about protecting for the next generation. It's actually leaving it better than when you started. That's our aim. Where did you get that from? Was that, you know, was that ingrained in your family or is that? Yeah, it's, I think ingrained in family and it's just, it's, I guess, my own personal belief. Uh, uh, my wife, Karina, who who runs an amazing glamping site, another reason to come to Slane on glamping. the farm. I like yeah, glamping. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's glamping? I'm sorry. It's glamping. It'd be right up your alley. It's like fancy it's cam- camping. It's camping for, te- for techies. Oh, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I'm, at, I'm on board. Yeah. yeah. So, so we have an organic farm and we grow veggies and we rear animals and we obviously produce barley. Uh, but the glamping allows people to kind of stay and immerse themselves in the landscape. So that kind of lower footprint style of living is just how myself and Karina like to, to live our lives if we can. 
And the lessons that we've learned there, we apply to how we make our whiskey. Talk about your dad. Kind of like what, you know, those lessons that he put on you or like, you said he was a maverick, but he kind, is, of talk, yeah. talk, kind of talk about more about him. So he's a maverick, but he's got great intent. And, you know, he has done, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here and we wouldn't be involved in Slain if he hadn't kept the show on the road by, by putting those gigs on back in the day. And um, he's a very resilient, determined individual. He's also one of my best friends. And we've had a lot of fun working together. I think what he taught me is you you need to be prepared to take risks in life, um, but just don't hurt anybody along the way um, and do things as, as best you can. And I think that's how we've tried to approach the whiskey. And that's why we ultimately stayed out of the market a little bit longer to spend those two extra years improving the whiskey. So I think he's, he's taught me to, um, I guess the other big lesson is do what you love, but make sure you have fun doing it. Mm -hmm. So kind of talk about his his growth path, because was was he ever involved in the whiskey industry? Or he just liked drinking whiskey? No, like he enjoyed drinking it. He didn't have any connection to, to, uh, to whiskey in the past. So it's a new thing for us as a family. Um, but I guess his closest connection was you. Working, yeah. working for yeah, the large Yeah, it was, I guess. Time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and maybe I guess that's where, you know, when he had that lightning bolt of let's get into the whiskey business, um, I just, as soon as he said it, all the pennies dropped. I was like, <laughs> you are so right. This is something we need to do. Um, and people thought we were crazy to do it at the time because it's a good few years ago now. I've been at this for 10 years. Um, but look at where Irish whiskey is now and where it's going. You know, it's really growing as a category in this country. Um, this is the number one market in the world for Irish whiskey in America. So it's important. But not in Ireland. No, our, the, the Irish are getting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Irish are getting behind it, you know. Um, we were down to very few brands a few years ago. And, and it's great to see all these distilleries springing up. And um, more and more people are now coming to Ireland for Irish whiskey. You know, you've got the Kentucky Bourbon Trail here, which is amazing. Uh, but the Irish Whiskey Trail is getting going now as well. So I would encourage anybody who does want to come to Ireland to make sure they get on that trail. And, you know, sure, come to Slane, but there's lots of other good distilleries as well. So kind of talk about the um, the bootstrapping process. You know, you, you want to go and you want to start creating a distillery. You know, Ryan already talked about the, you know, finding the right people and, mm -hmm. and figuring that out. But like, monetarily like you've got to you got to figure out like how far in debt do we have to go to figure this out or quite far yeah <laughs> <laughs> shopify's already taken the cash register online helping millions sell billions around the world but did you know that shopify can do the same thing at your retail store give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with shopify shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase. 
and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. You've got you to gotta figure out like, how far in debt do we have to go to figure this out or quite far? Yeah. <laughs> it's still going. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, we did. Look, we were, uh, we were lucky in that we ended up partnering with, with Brian Foreman and, uh, myself and dad financed everything on the project up until 2015. So we hadn't laid a brick, so to speak, but we had started restoring the, the yards. Uh, we had designed the entire distillery and that meant, our own efforts, but we did bring in some very talented people. We had a Scotch distiller on board. Uh, we had one of the people who had originally designed the Middleton Distillery, which is uh, down in County Cork. So we had a good team on board. And uh, one of the prouder moments actually was when Brown Foreman came on board and we uh, shared that our technical designs, we kind of expected, you know, hey, we know what we're doing, making whiskey. Uh, we'll do it our own way. But actually they took the design as read and, and made a couple of modifications on energy recovery that I hadn't spotted, but generally they took it as red. But financing it was was tough up until that point, and we had to pay the deposit on all of the stills. Our stills come from Macmillan in Scotland. There's only two makers. Uh, there's none, sadly, left in Ireland, but there's Forsyth and Macmillan. We went with Macmillan, and that was a pretty penny to pay that deposit. And had we not done that, we would have lost our place in the queue because there's such demand for stills. So I had a few sleepless nights over that one. But I was lucky enough to meet uh, Garvin Brown, uh, who's one of the Brown family members. Uh, and we had an amazing lunch where we spoke about the potential for Irish whiskey, but actually more about what it means to be a family business and thinking about the next generation. And ultimately that led further down the road to getting a deal done. And we got that done in 2015. And pretty much as soon as we signed that deal, we started building the distillery. Who made that initial call or initial meeting? Like, were they seeking you an, an Irish whiskey coming out, or were you like looking for investors to kind of help get you past that the 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 dip, you know, in so, the business that I call? Like, yeah, Brown Foreman was a company I'd admired for for a long time, and uh, they I knew they had publicly stated they wanted to get into the Irish category. So I guess we both had something. Uh, the other party wanted, but ultimately... You're like, I got exactly what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's not Fortuitous. always enough. It, it comes down to the people, and uh, and ultimately it's about relationships, and myself and dad felt comfortable working with what is essentially another family business. And uh, not only that, they know how to make great whiskey. Um, and what's really exciting about uh, what's happened with Slain, our blend, is actually the barrels that they bring to the table as well, because we have... I guess, an advantage over some of the other brands in terms of those barrels that we can access. Mm -hmm. You have an endless supply. I've seen it. Yeah, <laughs> we do. We have an endless supply, but it's not just the, it's not just the level of supply, it's the quality that goes with it. Sure. Um, so we've been able to tap into some barrels that others just can't. I'm always interested in, because uh, I'm an entrepreneur, but not nearly on your scale, but uh, <laughs> like when you get absorbed by, you know, a, 
not absorbed or purchased by another mm-hmm. company. What's it like? Like, cause you're, when you're, you're doing everything you can to hustle and bust to make it work and do everything. And then, and every decision goes through you, but now you have like, you know, a parent company to kind of like guide you and teach you like, how's that like, like, cause you're like, well, I know what I'm doing, but they're like, no, we know what we're doing. So what's that relationship like? Yeah, it's, you know, a, it's a transition, I, I guess. It's an intriguing question. I think a good one, you know, when you've, uh, I remember in the early days when the phone would ring, and uh, I'd be like, you know, hello, welcome to Slain Whiskey. And they're like, can I, uh, can I speak to your marketing department? It's like, yeah, sure. <coughs> hello, this <laughs> is the marketing the department. So you get the dollar. Yeah. So, uh, you, know, <laughs> yeah, you get the beep. Yeah, totally, um, let me you know. check to see if they're in. <laughs> yeah, completely. That's how it works, right? And, and, and you're fighting uh, as a small, and then suddenly you get all of these resources and additional people. Um, for me, it's worked really well because they have been incredibly inclusive. I'm still very involved in everything from liquid decisions to how we communicate about brand and, and how we behave. So I think the key to success is making sure that you respect and include what you started with. And it's gone better than expected. Uh, they're really good people to work with. You so know. they kind of help embrace your core principles. And Absolutely. Core and- yeah, but they bring so much to the table. It's not just the barrels. You know, they got they got great technical expertise. Uh, so when we were when we were putting the blend together, that involved it was a collaborative approach between Ireland and and some of the expertise over here. You know, and and that worked really really well. So I think it's uh, it's I'm happy with where it's landed. For sure. So how big is the operation now? That's over in Slane. Uh, so the distillery can produce roughly, we're not up to that yet, but if, if it could, probably about the equivalent of about 600,000 cases of whiskey a year. Wow. Um, but we're, you know, we're, we're warming up slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, you got age, right? Yeah, yeah you've got to age. So uh, if there's one thing you need in this business, it's patience. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, because we make three different types of whiskey and we're planning for the future, as well as supplying stuff that will feed into the blend, uh we're we're pretty busy uh we're not up to capacity yet but production's certainly ramping up Mm -hmm. so with bourbon like typical is you know all right at four we can start selling it was it with irish so the rules are kind of three years and a day okay um but you know i would never want us to release anything until it's ready and that's kind of the key is just give it the time it needs um having tasted a lot of irish i think uh, certainly over four at a minimum uh, for the grain, and then the malt is going to take longer, uh, and then pot still actually takes the longest. So um, that's why our launches will come over. The, you know, give me twenty years, we'll have a whole <laughs> range. But and I'm looking forward to that. But uh, we just focus on the blend for now. Very cool. Well, let's try it. Yeah, yeah. let's let's actually Too right. We've done a lot of talking, and he's decent. Yeah, yeah. So do y'all have like a cheers thing in Irish? Like, yes, you what do. Was, what was the Scotch one? Okay. So it's similar. It's all derived from Gaelic, okay? So Scotch Gaelic and Irish Gaelic are uh, reasonably similar. Uh, but in Ireland, it's a little different, so it's slauncha. 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 All right, we'll, right. we'll slaunch here in a second. Okay. okay. I don't think that's actually a word, but I just I made it one. <laughs> so kind of, kind of talk about the whiskey a little bit. Sure. Okay, so firstly, it's an Irish whiskey blend. So blends account for a good, a good proportion of Irish whiskey volume that is sold. Um, blend means you're putting two different whiskey types in this case together. So you're putting malt whiskey and grain whiskey uh, in, the same, in the same blend. However, what we did was the whiskey that, that we originally purchased um, would have all been in American whiskey barrels, mm-hmm. which um, 
the vast majority of Irish and Scotch is matured in American whiskey barrels because you guys can only use them once here. And we are very grateful yeah, for we're that. Not, Thanks for We're much. not very sustainable. <laughs> well, you know, it, do you know what? It's, it's fine because those barrels do not go to waste. Sure. We, we say thanks a million, we'll have those. Right. So they come over to Ireland. So that uh, had all been in American whiskey barrels. But as I said, we then spent two years doing a secondary maturation, which is, which is the triple cast. It brings all this lovely character. So when we're tasting slain, it probably makes sense to talk about these barrels individually and, and we can try and pick up some of the, oh, some of the notes that are there. So guide us through this. We'll do. So start on the nose. Now, yeah. probably one of the things that's going to hit you strongly is is this lovely vanilla hit. Nice, rich, heavy vanilla. Yeah, for me, it's like a a boozy banana foster. Like if you oh, had bananas foster. Now you're talking my language. Yeah, it's like a um, yeah, real boozy with the we talked about the caramelized sugars. You know, uh -huh. the torch just got off of it. Yeah, and, no, I, I I like that, and actually that delves into the second barrel. I'll, I'll focus on the first one uh, sorry, first. I cut you no, off. no, no, you're totally <laughs> right because the banana foster note is absolutely where where you're at, and and I'm delighted you picked that up. Uh, the vanilla hit that comes first is really coming from that first barrel, which is a virgin American oak, uh, made right here um, in Kentucky at the Brown Foreman Cooperage. Now, what's special about this barrel is it's customized specifically for slain. So all of the research and development that Brian Foreman have been able to do on different levels of toasting and charring is fed into this barrel. So it's like a, uh, it's a heavy toast, medium char. And that toast is really what makes the difference because it helps to draw out the vanillins that then become vanilla. Mm -hmm. So using virgin oak for an Irish whiskey blend is, is pretty unusual. I was about to say, because most probably aren't, aren't doing no, that at all. No, they're not. They're not. Uh, but what is unique is this barrel was made specifically for us, for Slane. And it does deliver that really lovely kind of aromatic vanilla hit mm -hmm. on the nose. Now, you mentioned the banana foster, and that kind of moves really neatly into the second barrel. So our second barrel we call season. Now, seasoned as you probably know, that's just a term that means someone was living in that barrel before you got it. <laughs> and uh, It's an old veteran. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> in this case, um, uh, so it is American whiskey. Most American whiskey barrels, a lot of them end up in Ireland. However, the challenge with that is if you're an Irish distillery, you're typically going to be buying your barrels maybe through a dealer, say, say Kelvin Cooperage, for example, or you might have a relationship with another distillery like or distiller, say, Heaven Hill, or in our case, Brian Foreman. But the, the challenge is that they actually make lots of different whiskeys. Mm -hmm. And there ain't really any track or trace. So when those barrels arrive in Ireland, you don't know exactly like whiskey, what liquid has been right. in the barrel. Yeah, Completely. Yeah. So the way the industry deals with it is by blending it all together. However, because of our relationship with Brown Foreman, we're able to focus in on particular barrels. So we're primarily using, uh, as our seasoned, we're primarily using a Tennessee whiskey barrel or a Jack Daniels barrel. And that delivers very particular flavor notes. Um, also, those barrels have to be shipped wet because otherwise they're going to dry out and leak sure. when they arrive in Ireland. So there's a little bit of liquid in there and we are not throwing that away. We're just pouring our whiskey in on top. So the net result is you're picking up some of those lovely flavors. Mm -hmm. So ripe banana is absolutely coming from that barrel. And then Irish whiskeys tend to be, blends tend to be nice and sweet, mm -hmm. but that sweetness can go from like a nice, light, clear honey to a much heavier, dark brown sugar. 
nothing that comes out of Slane is light or fluffy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're in the business of kind of rich and complex. So I wanted us to get to a heavier sugar note, and that's where that second barrel, the season barrel, really comes in. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're right on the money yeah. with the banana first. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the torch came in. I mean, it's it's basically like we're we're two bourbon casks already. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's for us, it's an easy transition it's a into something like. Yeah, that. and I think that that's a good point. You know, some people have have described this as an as an Irish whiskey, a good Irish whiskey for bourbon drinkers, because uh, I think there are some familiar familiarities and similarities there. Uh, for sure, that American influence is is definitely there. Do they hook you up on the yeast too here, or do you have to use your own over there? Uh, so at the moment, we're just using standard distillers yeast in okay. the distillery. However, Brand Foreman are one of the few companies that do cultivate their own yeast strains. So I think that's maybe something to look out for for the future, for sure. Because I always get like brown sugar notes out of the, mm-hmm. of the old Forester yeast and kind yeah. of strands or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, anywho. Uh, I'll, but, I'll quit talking. Let you no, no, going. no, that's fine. <laughs> Don't worry. We're, we're drinking whiskey. This is <laughs> yeah. good. Um, so I think if we had just finished with those two barrels, we would have ended up with an Irish whiskey that probably just tasted a little too like an American whiskey. So we needed we needed something to kind of balance that influence. Now, um, the person who got me drinking Irish whiskey was was my grandpa way back in the day, probably before he should have, but that's a whole other story. Seems um, to be a common theme here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but uh, he was a lovely man. But he loved his Irish whiskies that had uh, a sherry cask influence. Now, quite a lot of Irish whiskey does have a sherry cask influence, and that really stems from our history where before American whiskey took off and all of those lovely barrels became available, we would have used what was coming into the country, which was wine, port, and sherry. Um, so out of those ones, the sherry ones were the ones that really captured my imagination in the early days of drinking whiskey, and that's kind of stayed as a theme. So at the time, Brown Foreman didn't know, I guess, too much about the sherry side of things. Um, they have their scotch brands now, so that's that's changed. But at the time, I had to convince them the importance of what a sherry barrel could do. So we actually, um, we went out to Jerez in Spain and we tasted a lot of sherry. That was a lot of fun. Amazing food out there. Uh, but, yeah, I love Spain. Yeah, oh, fantastic. But um, what a sherry barrel does for, for Irish whiskey is it, it adds this fantastic body and depth and lots of color. Uh, so we're talking about an Oloroso sherry cask. It's been seasoned with Oloroso for a full two years before we even look at it. Uh, it's then shipped wet over to Slane, and again, we pour our whiskey in on top. And very quickly, it starts to take on lots of lovely color and uh, these characteristics. So going back on the nose, behind your banana foster and the vanilla and those lovely sugar notes, you may pick up a, a little bit of a almost like a raisin or a kind of date note, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even a little bit of fig. So you're kind of getting into dried fruit territory. And that's the primary influence of that sherry cask. And uh, also get like a graham cracker kind of yeah. smell on it. That's probably from the barley. I didn't know gate. what a graham cracker was until, until, I, came, <laughs> I, until I came to the States, but I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm there. I'm there. I'm sorry, I don't know common terms. It's <laughs> nah, okay. Uh, no, I, I totally get you. But on the palate, um, so I find... Oh, that's, that's easy. Mm. That's easy to gravitate towards. Yeah. yeah. 
So Irish That's dangerously smooth. delicious. Good, dangerously delicious. I'll <laughs> yeah. take that. Yeah. So um, you're welcome. <laughs> you're, it's it's smooth, right? And and Irish is generally has that lovely smoothness, but it is full body. It's smooth, it's nice but and rich yeah, on the palate. Like you said, it's got a lot of depth at the end. Like mm. a lot of smooth products, they kind of the finish falls flat, whereas mm-hmm. this one's still kind of building a little bit on the yeah, back end. Yeah, I guess it's it's a nice linger. Um, I think where the sherry cask comes in is there's this lovely little brown or kind of baking spice note right at the end, uh, and it kind of it's not it's not bite by any means, but it's a nice little kind of spice at the yeah. end, and that's really coming from that sherry cask. And it's kind of like nutty or creamy, like mm-hmm. peanut buttery yep. at the end. I don't know. I'm you're pulling all the stops today. <laughs> But you know, so this is. Um, I was looking at the bottle. So this is forty uh, percent, so eighty proof, mm-hmm. correct? Um, yeah. Kind of talk about the reason of of going to eighty and not ninety, ninety five, whatever it is. I, I don't really don't honestly because us we don't know the Irish whiskey industry that well. So I don't know if like if that's a common thing. Uh, generally, most Irish whiskey blends would be eighty proof. That's fairly standard for a for a blend. If you start getting into your into your single uh, malts or certainly your single pot stills, uh, you know, that can get a bit of variation, sometimes a little bit higher. Uh, we settled uh, at 80 proof, uh, which again is, is fairly standard because we just felt it worked really well at that level. Um, now it is strong enough to hold up, you know, one of my favorite ways of drinking slain would be on the rocks. So in that way, it behaves a little bit like a bourbon. Um, and it, it needs it. I yeah, but it, I it. guess, yeah, I mean, look, nothing wrong with it neat. Uh, and you have this with a banana pudding or something like that. It's fantastic. But mm-hmm. uh, put it on the rocks and it holds up. It doesn't wash out. And that was really important when we put this together. So uh, it is designed to be a whiskey that's good on its own, but it's not going to get lost in a cocktail or, or get washed out when you throw some ice at it. What's a typical proof when you're dumping these before you cut it? So typically, well, we put it into the barrel um, at about... 62 and a half alcohol so that's what 120 and doing my math quickly in my head <laughs> yeah i'm terrible <laughs> yeah i ran 120 proof we use excel a little, a little higher here. <laughs> um and depending on what style of whiskey you're making so our malt would be would be taking off a pretty high proof around 160 or so and then we're oh, gonna wow. and we're gonna reduce that down uh the grain whiskey element is very high i mean uh grain whiskey is um not far off of what you'd be doing grain neutral so you're talking about 96, 97% alcohol. So it's, 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 it's very strong. So you've got to reduce that down again to around 62.5% alcohol vol mm-hmm. before you put it in the barrel. And then what's the, what's the kind of aging that you're, you're looking to do or what's in this bottle today? I mean, we, you know, we, we already learned that it's got to be what, three years and three mm-hmm. years in a day or three years and three days to three years and uh, three years in a day. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so in terms of maturation, the key to this product is is that triple cast for extra character. So it started out living in an American barrel for a good number of years. Uh, so the malt and the grain, they were all, uh, the stock we bought was different ages. Some of it was up to 10 years old. Uh, and then we're adding extra time on that with a triple cast, which was roughly two years. So that gives you an idea of how old some of the whiskey is in that blend. Um, and then we'll be phasing in our own juice, you know, as and when it's ready. But it all goes through the same barreling program, and that's that's mm-hmm. how we get the consistency. Try to keep it consistent uh-huh. throughout the time, yeah. and stuff like that too. Yeah. Talk about the packaging. Who's? Yeah, a little different. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it's a little bit different. And then you've kind of got this. Is is this the crest that we're talking about? That yeah. We see on so here as well? uh, you asked why the Y was in the Cunningham name, and it kind of it's tied to this uh, 
this sort of hay fork that is at the center of the crest. And that's, um, so that goes back to my family's time in the 1100s. At that stage, we were in Scotland. We landed in Ireland in 1605. Uh, but there was a rebel Prince Malcolm who was on the run from Macbeth of the Shakespearean origin. Uh, Macbeth wasn't a particularly nice dude. So uh, Malcolm was on the run. He came to Cunningham's farm. And Cunningham uh, could have surrendered the fugitive or he could stand up for what he believed in, which was a rebellion. He hid Malcolm. Malcolm survived as a result, uh, defeated Macbeth and became King Malcolm II. And he went back and rewarded Cunningham with a bit of land and an armorial to celebrate the occasion. And he chose the hay fork uh, that he had used to uh, hide Malcolm in the hay, uh, in the hayloft. It's a, it's a symbol of rebellion, perseverance, determination, and that's what it took to get the Slain Whiskey Project done, and that's why we put it on the bottle. Uh, and then it is a black glass bottle, so it's a little different. Black and red have been our family colors for centuries, and I guess it was a little bit more rock and roll. Um, so we just felt it, it set the right tone for, for the whiskey. Um, and yeah, we had a lot of fun putting that together. And actually, when we did the excavations, around the distillery because it's all on the national list of protected structures we found some really really old bottles none intact unfortunately and they were black glass so that kind of really? confirmed that sticking with black made sense nice i was about to say so i'm a i'm a product of the 80s and i don't know if you were big into like 80s movie culture but i saw that and i was like it's the it's the flux capacitor <laughs> it's right there <laughs> yep. it's on the bottle nice okay i hadn't seen that before see well, there you go yeah, there you go actually i think it might be upside down but still <laughs> It's, uh, it, I we just saw it. But, you know, really, the whiskey's really, really good. good. I think, uh, you know, this is our first really good introduction, at least for the podcast, mm-hmm. to to Irish whiskey and, and knowing more about it and knowing more about the history and, and sort of really where it's stemming from as well. Um, you know, if you were to, like, give our listeners, like, a, a good reason, like, you know, they're bourbon drinkers, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're 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 real bourbon drinkers. They're bourbon nerds. Like, what's what's the selling pitch that you would give to a, a bourbon drinker to say you should go out and try this? I think if you enjoy bourbon, you're going to enjoy trying Slain because bourbons generally are very much flavor forward. Okay, and in the Irish category, that's what Slain is all about. You know, and people are moving between brands and between categories a bit more. If you want to step outside of bourbon and get something that has an element of familiarity, but is going to give you something a little bit different, and Slane's a good a good call. Uh, so those heavy brown sugar notes, the hits of vanilla, those are going to be familiar. But you add in that heavy dried fruit notes, a little bit of spice that's coming from the sherry, that's going to be a nice, I guess, step away without having to jump too far. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of the richer kind of Irish whiskeys I've ever had. I've, I've had Powers and I've had dabbled into like red breast mm-hmm. you know stuff but it's definitely got more and more depth than than i remember of other irish whiskey products so very impressed well done thank you very much well yeah. it's uh it, we had a lot of fun you've, putting you, it together. you knocked out shakespeare you got a concert <laughs> so now you've knocked out a whiskey brand so what's yeah, next really, yeah really <laughs> wait how can you even top this uh good question i think uh by focusing on our on our ultra premiums further down the road so g- give me a decade i'll have more to talk about <laughs> in <Yeah>. that regard <laughs> and so with the ultra premium category because we don't really know the scott or sorry the, the irish kind of ultra premium category like what's that look like and in, in, in your vision what would that entail as well so i think in 20 years time we're going to be all talking about uh the irish answer to scotch single malt which is pot still uh so single pot still whiskies which bring that unmalted barley into the mash bill 
uh, create this really lovely, rich, complex, quite oily, characterful uh, whiskey. And we are making that at Slane. Uh, so we just made our first uh, batches not too long ago. The new make is fantastic. Uh, so when that hits the wood, it's going to lead some great whiskey. So it's a fairly small category within Irish at the moment, but um, I think it's going to be where the real kind of high end, uh, higher end of the market growth is going to happen over the next 20 years. So watch this space. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. Uh -huh. So what's a, what's a price point for a product like this? Uh, for Slane. Yeah. So for the current blend, depending on which uh, market you're in, for a 750, you're talking in and around 30 bucks a bottle. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. What a value. So, yeah, so we when we won the gold medal at the Irish Whiskey Awards, uh, one of the really nice positive feedbacks was that we kind of over-delivered on flavor for that price point because yeah. we were competing with more expensive whiskeys. So that Found was- me up for a case. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> cool. well, that was always the aim. We wanted to make something that was smooth, approachable, full-flavored, and affordable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you hit all three. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like for us, I think this is a, is a valuable lesson in getting schooled in Irish whiskey. And, you know, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show today because it was it was a pleasure to not only meet you and hear your story. You know, I know you came all the way from Ireland for us. And so we really appreciate <laughs> that. You know, it was, uh, it's, a, just, it's a badge of honor for us to have you on the show no, too. thank you. Well, listen, I always love drinking Irish whiskey in the heart of bourbon country. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like... Like Watch this. Yeah, like we're trading. We're, yeah, we're traders. Exactly. Are, oh, trader, traders for an hour. Yeah. Sorry, Chris Morris. I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, appreciate it, Alex. All Very right. cool story and ton of history of your family. That's incredible. I, I'd love to come over there and just party and just for a week. Party for a week. Yeah. yeah. Go, come at, we should do burn. Get with Fred and do bourbon beyond. Like we can do bourbon workshops or Irish whiskey workshops over there. You know. Yeah. Slain be, and beyond. Yeah, yep. slain and beyond. Irish whiskey pursuit. Watch out. Yep. There we go. Watch <laughs> that trademark be gone tomorrow. <laughs> So another question before we go, or sure. another uh, opportunity uh, for you to tell our audience um, how they can learn more about Slain, uh, if you're on any kind of social media or Slain, how can they find out more about that as yeah, well? Yeah, sure. So uh, um, the website, slainirishwhiskey.com, that's a good place to start. Obviously, if you are lucky enough to get to Ireland, come and see the distillery because that really brings it to life. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, uh, Slain Irish Whiskey as well. Uh, my own uh, Instagram presence is Alex Cunningham uh, with the Y, C-O-N-Y-N-G-H-A-E-M. So, yeah, listen to the front yeah, of that and you'll, yeah. you'll remember how to spell so it. So you can find me on there. And, uh, yeah, that's a good good place to learn. Uh, I'd say you get a good amount of information from the website. That's the best place to start. What if we want to go glamping? Where do we go? <laughs> so that is Rock Farm Slain. Dot IE for Ireland. My yeah. wife loves glamping. So. Yeah, well, there you go. You, listen, you got more and more reasons to I come. Know. I guess we'll be seeing you pretty soon. I get through this home renovation first. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm there. That's awesome. So, again, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And, you know, make sure you follow Slane as well as him on all the social media channels. You can follow us, Bourbon Pursuit, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like what you hear, also make sure that you take a minute and just check out our Patreon page. It's a way that we help build and grow and fund the podcast day after day yep i think you nailed it so we'll see you next time cheers <laughs> cheers <laughs>